Drive into left center, and what a play made by the rookie Brian O'Grady. Pitch. Oh, into right field. Brian O'Grady, first big league home run. Fly ball, center field struck well. Marisnik going back at the wall. Gone! Welcome back, Brian O'Grady. And welcome inside episode 39 of Breaking Bats, presented by Not For Long Media. My name is Justin Ayers, and this week and every Friday during the postseason, we are joined once again by Ryan Ribkin. He's here to break everything down that's going on in the MLB playoffs. Lots of fun stuff to talk about. But before we get to that, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Psalm Sleep. Are you having trouble getting enough sleep at night? Because Psalm Sleep has you covered. The scientifically advanced Psalm Snack includes ingredients that are naturally found in your body like GABA, magnesium, and melatonin. Sleep is the best form of recovery, and it has helped people everywhere take their game to the next level. It's simple. All you have to do is drink one serving just 30 minutes before you go to bed, and your body will naturally calm itself down. Other sleep supplements leave you feeling groggy in the morning, but not Psalm Sleep. Wake up feeling refreshed and ready to conquer the day. Go to GetSom.com, click Shop, and enter the code BATS, B-A-T-S, at checkout for 10% off of your entire order of Psalm Sleep. Now here's Ryan Ripkin. So we are joined once again, talking a little MLB playoffs with our guy Ryan Ripken, as he does every Friday throughout the course of October and, and MLB playoffs. Uh, a lot to talk about, Ryan. A lot, of, a lot of fun divisional round matchups finally wrapping up here. We're deep into the AL and NLCS here now. So uh, thank you so much for coming back on. Of course. I'm glad to be back. And, and I hope for everyone that everyone enjoyed a great week of baseball. It was full of action and probably didn't go the way that anyone thought it would at least at least on my end I, I think a lot of my picks were it felt like I think I got half of them wrong and who would have thought that the best teams in baseball there would only be one true best team left after after the divisional round it's it's crazy it's a lot of upsets Brian and I's brackets are it's a lot of red x's not a lot of check marks um, people were giving Brian a lot of grief because he didn't have the Padres getting out of the wild card round, which I still think is hilarious. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the fun of making picks though. It's like, you know, you're the man in the arena. It's like, if you don't like our picks, put some picks out of your own. That's what I always say. Oh yeah. So on three Oh take Kyle is, so he went early. He went against the grain on, on a lot of these picks. He, he said the Phillies would get hot. He said the Mets would met and man, I think he's seven and one in picks. And I'm just like, I, I don't know how you did it. I don't know what sorcery you did Dang. to predict this, but I will say, like we're saying, I don't really care if I'm right or wrong. I just wanted to see good baseball and, and man, did we get to see some really good games this past week? Absolutely. And seven and one, that, that should be, that, that's banner hanging worthy. I feel like. So congratulations to, to Kyle over three Oh take. I mean, that's fantastic. I think I'm like, one for or three for whatever i don't think i'm we're, we're not shooting very high but you know what There's we stopped counting left yeah yeah a lot of baseball left but right now the yeah the numbers are a little blurry i can't remember absolutely um so talking about divisional round talking about shocking upsets wh what was the more shocking upset in your opinion between the phillies over the braves or the padres over the dodgers i think it, i think it's got to be the padres over the dodgers solely because of one of how massive of an advantage the Dodgers had had all year. And then to let game two kind of get away from you where again, the, the Padres went and won that game, but you lose that game. So game four, I think that was the really big shocker 
was that the Dodgers came out and really came to play to force that game five in LA. And it felt like it was going that way. They're up three, nothing. And then the seventh inning rolls on and it just kind of felt like this implosion and, and not to say again, that the Padres didn't earn the series because they absolutely did. But from what the Dodgers accomplished to then having a chance to send it back to LA, I just felt like that was the bigger disappointment. And, and let's just face it, the LA Dodgers, it's not a successful season if you're not going to the World Series, at least for the Braves case. They did just win last year. We have not seen a team repeat, even though I was thinking the Braves very well could have done it. But the Phillies just were the better team in that series from the start. And and that was that was just kind of it. So Dodgers, to me, definitely the one that that I thought uh, let a good opportunity slip away. But also for the Padres, it's a reason why you made all these moves and a lot of your big stars came out to play in, in the biggest series of the season. Absolutely. I mean, there's there's a lot of crazy stats that came out of that Padres and Dodgers series. Uh, the 22 win gap between the two teams in the regular season is the largest for a postseason series winner since 1906. 89 wins versus 111 wins for the Dodgers. Uh, it was you know there's there's really not a wrong answer because I think both of them are equally as shocking. Um, I mean, the Phillies and Braves, the Braves being obviously defending World Series champions, we're not going to have a back to back champion. So um, and then the fact that they snuck into the playoffs. So it's. It, it, both of those series are, are just insane, and I loved watching every minute of them. To, to go back to the Padres and Dodgers, though, you're right. The, the Padres obviously beat them in four games. I read an article. Obviously, this is from the LA Times, so it's probably a Dodgers slanted article, but it talks about how that loss to the Padres was like the, you know, it, it's the biggest disappointment in Dodgers history. Is that an overreaction, or is that kind of, you know, warranted given the circumstances? Probably somewhat of an overreaction. Just just from I'd have to go back and look at the history, but I will say this, the dominance that the Dodgers had to the franchise records that they had, the team that they had, it is one of the more disappointing seasons because of the aspirations that you had. And like we said, there's only there's a few organizations out there where every single year it is World Series or bust. And in this case, the Dodgers are one of those teams and they and they went and proved that they were the best team in baseball. And what's so disappointed is, is that you falter in the division series. And what was worst is you do it against the team that you have recently just owned. You have dominated the Padres. So it's just more insult to injury or it's more salt in the wound. Whatever saying you wanted to do, it has to be probably one of the most infuriating playoff exits that the Dodgers have had in a long time. The other thing that I saw coming out of Dodgers camp and Dodgers fans was a lot of people were crying out that they should probably change the playoff format from five games, maybe expand it to seven. Um, wh what would you think about a seven-game NLDS and ALDS? Is that is that warranted, or, or do you think that that's just kind of uh, – is that more of just loser talk from the fact that you, you lost to the Padres? I think it's definitely that. I mean, look, the formats have changed so much. You know, I still felt – it, I've had more conversations about the, you know, adding the wild card series because it takes away kind of the importance of winning your division. I know they say you win your division, you know, and you're going to get a buy or, or for the most case, sorry, the top two teams get a, get a, get a buy, but the one game wild card, it was a luxury to win your division because then it was win or go home. You had to throw whoever you wanted out there. So the yard, we already changed that format. Our MLB's already changed that format. I always like the best of five because it's still put pressure. You still have to earn the right to get to seven games in the, in the, in the pennant and the league championship series. 
and the World Series. So I wouldn't change anything with that. Um, you know, quite frankly, it's still the, the teams. If, if you're the higher seed, you're going to have home field advantage. And the reality is you have to take care of home field. And in this case, you know, the Dodgers and the Braves were two teams that did not take care of home field. They, they, they could not, they couldn't, the Dodgers and the, and the, bleh, the Dodgers and the Braves had opportunities and the Phillies and Padres pounced on those opportunities and did not look back at home. And I think that is really what it comes down to. So we'll see. I'm sure Major League Baseball will have some things up their sleeve in the future, but seven games in the in the DS series, I think, is not one of them. One Another thing I keep seeing, and I didn't realize this was a thing until the playoffs, was just like restricting out-of-market like out ticket sales. So like you're, you're trying not to have, for example, a bunch of Dodgers fans in San Diego and, and vice versa, like – I don't, that kind of like, I, I guess it happens in all sports. I think the Tampa Bay Lightning were famous for that in hockey where they just, they would, they just restricted it by zip code. And it was pretty like, it was pretty ruthless in the way they were not allowing opposing teams fans in there. Does, does that kind of rub you the, the wrong way, the same way it does me? Or, or does it like, hey, it's, you know, it's their stadium. They'll, they'll run it. They want to have it packed with uh, home fans. I go back and forth because I do love the home atmospheres when, when teams get to go home and play in front of their fans. But I also do think that, fans should have the opportunity no matter who you're a fan of. Cause I also love the, the banter that goes on of having opposing fans in the stadium. You know, I think that just, it's, it's good for the sport. It's good for, for the fan experience, but I don't blame teams for wanting to do that. I mean, look, I mean, if you could get all Phillies fans, all Padres fans, and maybe that's, you know, was the majority there obviously for those games, but you heard feel Philly rocking, you heard San Diego rocking home field definitely does matter. And I don't know if there's a right way, but I think that that's going to be a debate that we're going to see moving forward. But I want to just, I want fans to enjoy the experience in whatever way that can be, I, I think is the most important. Absolutely. The other thing that I had about that, that Dodgers and Padres series, and then we'll move on was just how great San Diego's seven, eight and nine of that lineup is. Where like guys like Grisham and, and Nola and Profar, like at the bottom of the order, provided so much spark and, and like how much like confidence does that give a team where you know that guys at the bottom of the order can still produce like guys at the top of the order can? Oh, it's extremely important, especially if they hope to advance to the World Series. You know that's what you need. You need a, you need a complete team effort, and sometimes it's it's unsung heroes that get, get you to that point. It's either that your stars are the catalyst for your team. And right now, the Phillies, that's who it's been. It's been their stars. It's been Harper. It's been Castellanos. It's been their starting pitching. Uh, for the Padres, like you said, it has, it's been Machado, big part of it. They've had great pitching performances. Haters looked like the hater of, of that we're used to seeing of old. But you're right. Their bottom order picked up with Juan Soto still trying to figure it out. And Trent Grisham, I mean, how about him? He, he had a really rough season. And you and to see him come into the postseason and, and do what he has done is unbelievable. And you're right, that gives a team confidence and it gives it opposing teams more doubt or more or more worry that when you get to the bottom of the order, it's not an easy out and it's going to make situations that more tense and stressful. So but right now, as, as we know, the, the Padres are going to need it. The, you know, the Padres are going to need it because the Phillies are coming. And they are on a mission. 
Were you one of those guys that liked being penciled into the same spot in the order, or did it not matter? Because I see like the Padres lineup, and they, they've kind of adjusted their one through six, but I feel like they've left that seven, eight, nine pretty much intact. Mm-hmm. Um, did that did that ever like matter to you? And like, you know, what what was your take on that? For me, I, if I was <laughs> to be honest, if I was playing, it didn't matter where I was in the lineup. I think when I was younger, it it might have bothered me more where you feel like there's a pride. Oh, you know, I want to hit the top of the order. I want to hit in this specific spot where I love to hit, you know, hitting in the three, four, five range. Like I love the five hole. I thought it was great to come up and usually had a chance to drive runners in. That was a lot of fun. But when, you know, later on in like 2019, I was hitting, I think when I got moved up to double A, I hit anywhere from nine to four. And I didn't care where I was hitting. It changed is obviously maybe your mindset a little bit and maybe less pressure in the nine hole than the four hole but to be honest i just like being in the lineup you can pencil me in anywhere and uh i'll be a happy camper (laughs) yeah absolutely i I thought that was interesting yeah because they're moving guys like cronenworth up and drury up and i'm like all right well is trent grisham gonna get moved up no he's but that's the thing you're right some guys like trent grisham's a great example of because he had such a rough year if he's having so much success, don't change anything with him. Let him ride where he's comfortable. The Orioles did it with Jorge Mateo when he got hot for a little bit. And I know his, his numbers, if you look at his average, is still low. But for those who follow the team, he got going. And the Orioles, you know, people were saying, well, maybe we want to put Mateo up in the leadoff or higher in the order. He goes, no, he's comfortable down there. And he's able to turn the lineup over. So let them ride where they're feeling good and hot. And, I, and I'm sure that that's a similar thing with Grisham where – don't mess with something. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's, yeah, I mean, that that has to be it. That's that's a great point. We interrupt this episode to bring you a word from the official sponsor of Not For Long Media and the Breaking Bats podcast, the original Fudge Kitchen. It is a staple of the Jersey Shore with six locations in Cape May, Wildwood, North Wildwood, Stone Harbor, and Ocean City. The original Fudge Kitchen makes all of their fudge in store, guaranteeing a delicious product. So stop by and let them know that Not For Long Media sent you. I'm such a big fan of the month of October and fall in general, and the original Fudge Kitchen has so many great fall and Halloween treats available. Their Instagram is fantastic, so be sure to check them out at the original Fudge Kitchen on Instagram to see everything that I'm talking about. But if you aren't able to visit in person, they ship all across the country. Be sure to check them out at fudgekitchenswithans.com. That is fudgekitchenswithans.com. The original Fudge Kitchen is shipping fudge and sweet treats all across the country. Now here's more Ryan Ribkin. Phillies and Braves series. I mean, obviously, like we talked about, they're not going to have a repeat champion. The Braves last year aren't going to win it this year. Um, the Braves manager said after that they just simply flat out ran to uh, the hotter team. Is that deflating where no guys know that, like, probably the Braves have more ta- like talent throughout the course of the roster, but just running into a buzzsaw and a juggernaut like the Phillies are right now? I mean, that's that's got to suck for them. Yeah, honestly, if there was a, if there was, it seemed like they had the most effect of, of having five days off. I think it was the Braves because they had all that momentum from sweeping the Mets at home, feeling great, all that energy finally overcome the, the, uh, the Mets lead. And there you are, it's your division again. And then the Phillies have to sneak their way in. And then game one really was the, the tone setter when, when Atlanta couldn't come back late and Philly brought it to them. It was Castellanos and Harper, and they they set the tone for that series. Game two, the Braves obviously fought back, but Philly's such a great sports town. They were ready to rock there, and and people forget that the Phillies do have some great arms, and even though they had their struggles, they do not lack that star power there, and it showed. And the Braves 
like um, like we just were talking about, they did run into a team that just seemed destined to win that series. And, and right now the Phillies to me are playing with that confidence. And if Kyle Schwarber can get going, which he did not get going in, in the uh, so far in the playoffs and in the NLDS, I think the Phillies, the Phillies lose the series with the way their other players are playing. It's yeah, it's certainly looking like that. It's yeah. I mean, I, game one, obviously we're taping this on Wednesday. So on Tuesday night, game one in the NLCS didn't go the Padres way. Um, very briskly played game. I, I, I was looking down, I was doing some other work. I was like, oh, it's over. It was two nothing. Um, Zach Wheeler with a, with a gem. I'm mean, both pitchers pitch great, but Wheeler went, I think he went seven, one hit, you know, incredible stuff. And then Kyle Schwarber hit a ball 120 to Mars. You know, and that and that's the point right there is in a two nothing game, your two stars for the Phillies are were the main reason on offense you won the game. Not the main, they were the reason you won. So and Kyle Schwarber is at that type of impact player. And that's gotta be a really awesome thing if you're a Philly fan, and that's a really scary thing if you're rooting for the Padres. But if Kyle Schwarber goes into the Hall of Fame, he'll have nationals written on there because people people forget. Was, yeah, pe- people will forget. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I, I like that sometimes where you're like, you go to the Hall of Fame and on their plaque, it's like, oh, he was an Oriole for one season. It's like, <laughs> I don't know, Jim Tomey. Um, Jim Tomey, exactly. Yes, my favorite example of hey, Oriole, Oriole for life, Jim Tomey. Yeah, Hall um, of Famer, Hall for Hall of Fame, Baltimore Oriole, Jim Tomey. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, sticking with the Phillies, though, I saw a great tweet from Jared Carabas, and it was actually kind of intriguing where he said that he wants to know when we can start talking about Zach Wheeler as one of the best free agent contracts of this generation. And immediately, as the Nationals fan in me got pissed off, because like, well, I mean, it's Scherzer. But then I started digging into it, and I'm like, five years, 118 mil, compared to what some of these other pitchers are getting for a guy that was second in Cy Young and is obviously shoving in the playoffs. Like, should we give more respect to the fact that Zach Wheeler and just everything about him? Absolutely. And I think that I think that is the the takeaway so far of this Philly season. They were overshadowed by the bats that they brought in. You know, that the, the big names, the Harper, the Castellanos, Schwarber, like guys who were probably more those are more household names recently as far as uh hitters. And right now, offense is the thing that people love to see. And because Wheeler wasn't considered one of those top guys. He went under the radar for those reasons, but make no mistake. And if you watch game one of, of the NLCS, Wheeler's, Wheeler is a guy. He is a dude, and he's showing that. And, and obviously, the, the deal that they signed, kudos to the Phillies. In hindsight right now, they look like they look like the smartest men on the planet. But also testament to Wheeler to continue, it seems, to – it just felt like he's just getting better. And this might just be more things to come as we continue to see his career move forward uh, with the Phillies. You're right, because I remember when they signed that contract in the, in the 2019 offseason, I was like, all right, I mean, he was okay. He was good sometimes for the Mets. He's ERA that last year. I think it was like 3-9. So I'm like, all right. Mm-hmm. Um, but since joining the Phillies, I saw he, he leads the majors in innings, and his ERA is the sixth best among starting pitchers in that time frame. So uh, return on investment? Pretty good. Pretty good. Some would say they would take it. Yeah. I mean, I saw Garrett Cole, nine year, 324. And then unfortunately, Steven Strasburg, seven years, 245. So, um, Oof. yeah. Hey, you know what, though? They earned it. And for Strasburg, even though people can talk about money later, he's a big reason why the Nats got a chance to win that World Series that year. So, um, if you're a fan, and I hear it all the time, would you? 
even though it, it might not work out later, would you trade a World Series ring? Probably not. No, and I mean that that 2019. I mean, he was like he was lights out. Not lights only in the postseason, out. but so yeah, he he earned every penny of that. It's just unfortunate he pitched like five games after that in three. Yeah. Um. But anyway, that's that was depressing for a minute. But <laughs> uh, to move back to the the divisional series matchups that we have to talk about the Astros and Mariners game that 18 inning. How how much of that 18 inning game did you catch? I think I watched two thirds of it, and that was too much. So I I actually missed all of the games that day. So I was I was out to dinner with with my girlfriend, and then we went to just you know having a drink at the next place. But there's college football on everywhere, so it's only there's only two TVs in both college football, and my phone is getting blown up because they're like, oh, if it can if you turn are you watching the Astros game, you're watching the Mariners, it's crazy. And I'm thinking, man, it must be fireworks because that's what the first two games were. And then I look and there's a bunch of zeros, you know, and I, and I never thought that we were going to see another 15 plus inning game like Cleveland and Tampa be a zero, zero game. And and there it was, you know, um, I'll tell you what, that, that, that even though offensively, it was not very, the, 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 the definition of, of what good offense looks like, what an entertaining game. And, and the Ams fought so hard that series. I feel bad that, they get swept in that series, but honestly, they were in every single game. And if things, if one play here or there bounced their way, it could have been a 3-0 sweep for the Mariners instead of instead of for the Astros moving to the ALCS. That's that's what bothers me about it too, is because you're right. They were they were winning a lot of these games. They were winning late in a lot of these games. And then in that game three, where you played basically two games worth of innings, and you still can't scratch across a run. Um, and, and meanwhile, your, your pitching is just pitching lights out that that's like, first of all, what's, what's the longest game you've ever been a part of? Have you come close to 18? So I got at No, absolutely not. But so I, I was looking back and it obviously wasn't too memorable, you know, and, and, and the minors, at least they changed the rules where they had the runner on second base, but I think I hadn't gone more than 13 innings to be honest. And again, nothing crazy enough. I've been a part of a lot of collapses in the ninth where we were up big and and then the ninth inning just kept going and then maybe we went to the 10th or 11th and and we we lost the game been on more more on on those ends than than the positive so but nothing like we've seen so far in the playoffs and uh i always wanted to though but to be honest from what i've heard for guys unless it's if it's not in the playoffs it's usually it's not too worth it well, I guess the flip side of that would be you get all these extra at bats, but you could be like Jose Altuve and go over eight, which that's oh yeah, that's got to be the worst feeling ever. Where it's like I have again two games worth of at bats and I can't get a hit at any of them. Well, that's the thing too. It's like if if you're feeling good that game, you want the game to continue going on. But if you are not seeing the ball well, you want this game to end now. Please be over. And I remember actually I was with the Orioles organization. And it wasn't. I wasn't a part of this game, but I think the, the Delmarva Shorebirds were in a marathon of a game and we were on the bus and I was checking. I'm like, oh my goodness. And I might've been in Aberdeen. It might've been my first year. And I remember looking at it going, well, this game will not end. And I'm, but the thing was, I was looking at it. I'm like, let me check the numbers. And I'm like, oh no, everyone's like, okay, everyone has a hit except this one guy. And I'm like, oh gosh. And I'm not even thinking about, man, that's a crazy game. I'm like, Someone, someone, get him a drink or something after the game, please, because it, it hurts me to see the the, the Ofer keep stacking up. 
they're battling. And the other thing with that too is, is that like the fans are just as big of a part as, of that game as the players are. Cause I don't think the fans in Seattle sat down the entire no. time extras was going, they would show them and they'd still be up cheering, but like, damn, that was a six and a half hour game or whatever. That's, well, they know. waited 21 years. They waited well, 21 years fair. for this moment. <laughs> and yes, no runs happened, but you won an entertaining game that was going to stress you out. You got double the action. So I feel for Seattle, but I, I will say this. I think that they are going to be in a great position moving forward. Houston's dominance is going to end at some point. It's not now, though, but Seattle looks to be right there which if you're a fan of the Mariners, I think you're going to see more postseason trips in their future with, with the hopes of finally breaking through to the World Series. How great would that be? You know, passing the torch from the AOS, from the Astros, to the Mariners. And I want to see the I want to see the Mariners go on that kind of sustained run of success like Houston has. I mean, that that's all I really want. I've obviously become a big Mariners fan this year. Right. For a guy, Adam Frazier and everybody. But yeah, I mean, that team is so young too. They're going to be in it every year. Um, and with Julio Rodriguez at the helm for what was it nine or twelve years or whatever, I mean it's it's gonna be great. Yeah, he's he's he is the real deal, and Seattle fans can be very happy about it. Now I don't know if, if I don't know if we're gonna see what what we've seen with Houston six straight ALCS appearances. Yeah, I, I don't think that they are talked about enough. But like they are talked about actually enough negatively, and I understand everyone is not over the trash cans and the sign stealing and all that stuff specifically Yankees fans and Dodgers fans but if you love them or hate them the reality is they've been the sixth straight and one of all these things of all the adversity of all the criticism guess who keeps showing up and keeps finding their way right on the doorstep of a World Series for the last six years it is the Astros and honestly when we look back at this what they've done will be in infamy with what happened with the scandal, but it also will be extremely historic because winning, and I hope that people can at least respect the fact that Houston is finding a way to go out there and to continue to be a dominant team year in and year out. It's a great point. Yeah. I mean that I, you're right. I don't think that gets talked about enough with them. I mean, six straight is just a run. It's, it's, it's especially going from, you know, changing managers, all the scandals and everything else. So that's, that's, that's an accomplishment in its own right. Well, and think about of, of teams that have kind of fallen off, you know, even after the Red Sox won the World Series and they didn't fall off because they're they're going to spend money. But that next year wasn't very good. And obviously things happened with Alex Cora getting caught up. So at, through all of the distractions and all the stuff, the Astros level of play never dropped. And to me, that is so impressive because as we know in life of no matter what you do, if you have something that goes wrong or there's multiple stresses or there's there's changes in your life, it is very challenging to continue to go at the same pace you're going at. And for Houston to do that for six years, you know, it's impressive. It helps when you have the second best hitter in baseball and Jordan Alvarez this season uh, there. But kudos to the Astros. It, it's it's they deserve their due. I'm wondering how cyclical that is in, in terms of them being that good. Cause that, that division has not, there hasn't been a lot of teams that have put up a fight in the course of that six years. Um, I, I'm wondering if that's going to kind of level out here. And if like, I, I don't think we're going to see a lot of six time NL or sorry, ALCS appearances from teams like that, like coming in the future. I, I just can't see that happening again. No, I don't think so. That's what I'm saying. It's, it is special. And 
whether you like it or not. And again, people are going to talk about the bad with Houston, but then you have to recognize the good. And the and Houston is doing something that we are not going to be seeing on a yearly basis of what they're doing. So it'll it'll be interesting. Um, and Houston's going to have that. Who can't wait for that revenge series with the Yanks and Astros? It, that should be a lot of fun. That was actually the next thing I wanted to talk about was the, the Yankees series that just wrapped up. So obviously the, the rain out on Monday, they they, they took the, the ALDS in five games from the Guardians. But the Josh Naylor, Garrett Cole drama to me is just oh, fascinating. Boy. The oh, rock yeah. and the baby. Um, were, were you as appalled as some people were? I saw Ben Verlander like took it very, very personally that uh, he just, he was a, I think he just was like disgusted at, at what Josh Naylor was doing. Did you take it as personally as Ben Verlander? <laughs> I, I, I didn't take it as personally, but I, this is the thing with everything you do that if you're going to draw that type of attention and the emotions, you better be ready to handle it and you better back it up. And the reality was that just added more fuel to the fire for the Yankees. And as soon as that game lost, there was, to me, there's no doubt that the Yankees were going to win game five at home. So I just, that the part that I don't like is, drawing the attention to a team that it's not maybe in a positive way. And, and of course, like, and I also didn't realize that he was doing it the entire time around the bases. I think that's new, but you know, people can celebrate. You're allowed to do whatever you want to do. That's, that's the cool thing, but the ramifications, whether next year, I'm curious if uh, this isn't the last altercation we see between Cole and Naylor. And also it, you create a bullseye and, and you did not need to wake up the New York Yankees any more than they did. Um, and you could sense that when, when the final out, I think labor Torres was rocking the baby too. Uh, Everyone was aware of it. And uh, you know, that's, that, that's what I got on it. What did you, what did you think? Were you disrespected? No, I, I, I thought it was funny. I thought, cause I've seen Josh Naylor do this stuff the entire year. I mean, he yeah. had butted Terry Francona. He's just like, that's his personality. He's he a does. passionate player. Yeah. He's just very expressionistic um, is probably how some people will describe Josh Naylor. But I, I didn't have a problem with it until I realized you're right. There is that kind of like the Bill Belichick don't give him like bulletin board material thing where I'm like, ah, they didn't really score any runs after that. <laughs> and, and, the, and the thing is, is that you don't want to tick off a team. You don't want to tick off a player or a person anymore. Don't give them any reason, more motivation. I know that some people yeah. think, well, no, that's not true. You got to go out there and play. If you go in any sport and ask, if you see someone come and talk smack or talk trash, like I even saw in football the other day to Marcus Lawrence, and I love the confidence. You want to be confident, right? But Demarcus Lawrence talking about that the Eagles haven't seen a team or Jalen Hurts hasn't seen a team like the Philadelphia or, or sorry, like the Dallas Cowboys defense. And what's Jalen Hurts and that offense do? They're just, they just run them out the building in the first half. Now the well, but the point being, you don't think that other people it gives them a little bit more of a drive to prove you wrong. It, it's a real thing. And, and I, no doubt to me that, that definitely, uh, that definitely was in favor of the Yankees. Yeah. It's, it, it would have been a little easier just to, you know, stomach all of this. If the guardians would have came out, you know, not as flat in game five, if they would have made it actual, an actual game, but yeah, yeah. it's, they, they woke no Shane Bieber, no Shane Bieber. You, uh, yeah, that, that was going to be tough. Well, like, I, I understood that decision because I feel like, you know, all the injury concern and Terry Francona loves him some Shane Bieber, so he didn't want to put him in harm's way. So For sure. Um, 
Yeah, I, I understood that. I mean, but God, Savali was terrible. <laughs> you know, that's um, the hard th- the thing is you're in a big time spot and people forget Stan has been here before. Stan has thrived in the playoffs and he he came up big yet again. So no, he should have no shame with how the outing went for him. My point was just being starting the game. If the if the if the Guardians were able to start their guy, confidence would have been higher. But without that, and a a very motivated and driven Yankee team that was coming back to the Bronx, and you know those fans were going to be charged up and going to be given the Guardians grief and nailer for yeah. all that stuff. Man, you know it's one thing if the next game was in Cleveland. Going back to New York, you knew that there was going to be a lot of hell to pay. Yeah, a, a lot of a lot of Yankees fans rocking the baby in the stands. It was uh, it was tough. So, but hey, Guardians are young, the youngest team in baseball. They're going to be back. They'll be back. So this is not going to be the last time we see potentially these two teams even squaring off in the playoffs. Um, to kind of wrap up here, just to talk about predictions for the ALCS, which is starting tonight when we're taping this. Uh, mm-hmm. The Yankees are obviously two and five in the regular season against Houston. Do you see that trend kind of continuing in the playoffs? Do you have Houston advancing from the AL? I still think Houston does advance. I think this is the moment for the Yankees. If you are a Yankees fan, it has to be now because it felt like this would be the perfect storm. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees go out there and find a way. But I think the Astros are just too consistent, and that's something the Yankees have not been. The Yankees have talent. They have what it takes to make it to the World Series, but can you be consistent enough in the moments? And the All-Stars for the Astros have been more consistent. Verlander had a rough outing in game one. I really doubt he is going to come out flat again this time around. And Houston's going to be rocking. And they have a belief that they can go and win every series. Why? Because they can. So it will be fun. A lot of great storylines. X Factor, I feel like in every series, though, for me, is going to be Stan. Bader actually stepped up. That was awesome to see. But Stanton has that element that can really transform that that Yankees lineup. So if Stanton can get going, and so can Judge, you know, watch out. This could be a uh, this could be a a tight one between Houston and New York. It's funny you mentioned Harrison Bader, and that just feels like one of those guys that's going to be a Yankee for ten years, like a Brett Gardner. Just like he's going to be the spark plug. I, I just like he feels like that feels like a great trade. Now I didn't feel that same way at like, the time to go. Yeah. yeah. Or when, when Jordan Montgomery was pitching his heart out and then he, Harrison Bader was still on the IL. Right. Um, but yeah, that, that looking back, that's, that's such a great deal for them. That's, oh yeah. B- Bader brings run. that energy and they need it. You know, they, they need that type of, of play that defense, the hustle. And if he can swing the bat like he did, but I think all of his homers were against uh, Quantrill. Was that right? Or whatever he was. I think Bob Costas was saying, I think I can, you know, say for sure that, you know, uh, Bader owns him or something like that. Yeah. But anyway, he, he looks like he fits what being a Yankee is all about, but should be fun. I, I'm excited. I think after we, we, we film this, I'm going to go turn on the TV and see what's going on in the, uh, the NLCS, but can't wait for the Astros Yanks and uh, should just get the popcorn ready. You know, there's going to be some fireworks. Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great week, a great weekend of baseball. Uh, always appreciate you coming on every week and talking playoffs with us, Ryan. It's it's always so much fun. We'll have to get Brian involved at some point in one of these. So um, yeah, yeah one, keep... one one day one day we'll get him back. I guess you know <laughs> yeah exactly. I, but always a pleasure. Uh, it, it, thank you for having me, and 
and enjoy the weekend weekend. And we'll be back to, to talk about what, what we saw and break it all down. And I bet we're going to see some great baseball. And thank you again to our guest for this week, Ryan Ripkin. Before we get out of here, we have two last quick things. We wanted to give a shout out to friend of the podcast, Actions Over Words. They're an apparel brand with the mission of encouraging people to use their actions instead of their words. Founded in Cape May, New Jersey by Alec Levin, Actions Over Words donates $5 of each sale to different charities around the world. Be sure to check them out at actionsoverwordsapparel.com and use the promo code N4L for 10% off of your entire order of tees, hats, hoodies, and more. And finally, check out the Not For Long Media family of podcasts. We have tons of great content for you to check out, especially during the fall. The Colin Thompson Show with our guy CT. Be sure to check out our other Not For Long Media podcast, Two Girls, One League, and Odd G's with Harry Mays and Jason Martinez. Thank you again to Ryan Ripkin, and we will see you guys next week. And before we get out of here, a special thank you to the band Stick Figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music. Stereo